financial planning software, can connect to NFS, can connect to Schwab, and all along comes crypto. It's like, hey, you know, how are you going to play with me? And everyone's like, how are we going to play? Should we play? You know, it went from who are you? Should we play with you? We want to play with you. We don't know how. Okay, we're figuring it out. Are we doing this right? All right. You know, like We've made it, and it's the year 2035. You're listening to On Purpose with Tyrone Ross, brought to you by the Coindesk Podcast Network. This show is for advisors, by advisors, on all things crypto, and we appreciate you. And now, here's Tyrone. All right, welcome to this very special episode of On Purpose. And yes, this is On Purpose. I have these two gentlemen here on purpose. This day on purpose, because this is normally our personal Zoom time. So I'm excited that they've uh, been gracious enough to extend me this welcome and gratitude to have them on here. Douglas Bonaparte, Justin Castelli, my friends, my brothers. How are you, gents? Hey, good morning, Tyrone. Doing great. I got my uh, Keurig coffee just for Doug today. Oh, <laughs> new low, Justin. <laughs> I wanted to have you guys on for a couple of reasons. As you all know, I brought you into my crypto hippiness. Justin, first of all, you've given me the first platform to talk about this stuff. Doug and I have had conversations about it. We've had conversations together, but I really want to get into the whole money manager versus financial planner conversation. And then really, again, as I've been telling you both, we need to get more CFPs in the pool. So I want you two to really talk about some of the concerns and things that matter to you as a CFP. We've had conversations about the ETF, right? Want an ETF and be able to not only recommend it, but be able to be, you know, to allocate on behalf of clients. And Justin, you were like, not that you don't want to allocate, but look, for right now, just give me read only. Just when you're looking at that, what right now is probably most important to you? Just let me see it, or you actually want the ability to allocate on behalf of clients? I want read only ASAP, but I would, as more time's gone on over the last month, I've spent a lot of time, I was on another um, webinar this month about Bitcoin and diversification, just going back down and, and reading it again and you know, talking to Isaiah Douglas as well a couple months ago, I'm ready for the right client if the technology is there to have a small allocation. I realize now that a little goes a long way. You know, the 1%, 2% conversation, we don't need to have a lot of an allocation for it to work for clients. So being that I want to be a futuristic advisor, I, I'm, I'm getting more and more comfortable ready to do it, but the technology is not there. So until the technology is there, give me read only so I can at least see it and be able to hold myself out as an advisor who's willing to have that conversation and, and talk about it and help clients with it. And then when the tech is there, then you know, for the right clients, risk tolerance, everything makes sense, being able to incorporate that in. So I want both, but while we wait for the other tech, give me read only. Justin, follow up for you. So you have read only, would you consider billing on that as a held away asset or is just to simply see it to do more holistic plan? I would view it as a 401k. I don't bill on 401ks today. Just let me know what it's there. Let me know what's, how it's fitting into the picture. Do we need to tweak anything else on the things that I am managing? I would not bill on it. I feel like you can more or less do that right now. I know the, the data feed's not plugging in to any software or analysis you want to run on a portfolio that, that has Bitcoin, but I think you can you know, manually insert crypto or Bitcoin in like Morningstar. As much as read only you know, is going to be beneficial from a technology side, I think you, you go all the way or, you know, don't. And I think that's the frustrating part. 
you know, I'm not here to get into the virtues of, of why it should be self-custodied versus having an ETF or securitizing it. I'm viewing my stance of, hey, let's get an ETF because it has the least amount of friction, right? Like that just kind of solves all problems as far as, and it's a selfish statement, right? It solves problems for the financial advisor who wants to make sure or wants to put this into portfolios for their clients to bill on it, to make those recommendations, to not have to worry about the regulatory components because if there is an ETF, you obviously you know, can start using it in a way that can't be used today. And Tyrone, you and I talk a lot about kind of the regulatory side of this where like, how do I even make that recommendation to put a one, two, 3% allocation in portfolio? I would love to do that. I would love to make it part of a standard model where we can do that. And I don't have the rule book for that. And again, the easiest way to go about doing that is the ETF. But hey, I'll take technology for the win and being able to plug in wallets or whoever the biggest are in, in the group to you know, get those data feeds in there because they're the ones with the, with the resources to make that happen. Truth be told, that's why I'm so you know, gung-ho on, on securitizing it and putting it in the ETF wrapper. Just because, you know, it saw, yeah, I know. It, but it, it solves all of the, if it happened tomorrow, like the game's changed. It's good for investors who want access. It's probably very bad for a lot of financial technology companies that are trying to either solve this problem or find a way around this. I guess it's just indicative of, as to where we are right now in the cycle of Bitcoin. Right. So let's talk about this because, I, I, again, you both are the cream of the crop. And I mean that sincerely because, again, I believe that CFPs, this should be the standard for all advisors unless, again, there's some key specialization or something like that. The government says it's property. CFTC says it's commodity, right? Like we can go on and on down the line and the CFP board says, figure it out. And FINRA's like, well, just tell us you own it or whatever you're doing with it, right? And the SEC says, well, it's not a security, but if you are SEC registered, right, as you know, Doug, right, that surprise audit, qualified custodian, manner of which assets are held. Uh, there's so many different things here, but if there are things for both of you, I guess one or two things you want to mention that worries you just in terms, and I know you guys aren't out actually pitching it or suggesting it, but what worries you specifically as a CFP and Doug for you compounded with that whole SEC overhang as well? My biggest concern is things move too slowly. The horse is out of the barn. You now have advisors getting flack from their clients as to, you know, why, why am I not here? Well, you know, if, if you knew Doug, like you, you've been telling me, you know, you mined Bitcoin in 2014 and, you know, are generally positive about it. You've also been telling me you can't advise it. Doug, I don't want to hear about the SEC and, and regulations and this, that, and the other thing, you're my advisor. Shouldn't I have been advised on this? Shouldn't I have been recommended that? There's a tolerance here that clients are going to have. You know, you tell them no too many times and, you know, they're going to tell you no by firing you. Exactly. So, um, yeah, you know, you know and, and, and right now that seems a little extreme, but not if you pan out like five, 10 years. And Justin and I, you know, I'm younger than him. He's an old man. We're pretty young. You know, you're old too. I'm the oldest. <laughs> yeah, you're the oldest. But anyways, we're, we're all, you know, we're all young here and we have time on our side in that regard to see something like crypto and Bitcoin, you know, rise. I, we're going to see it, right? But like, is there an inflection point with clients? And, you know, I serve, <laughs> I serve predominantly younger clients, folks my age. And that would be my fear. I'm not waking up in the middle of the night about it. But if you wanted me to really like drill down to where I see like my worst case scenario in the realm of Bitcoin is, it's that. JC, what you got for me? You worried about anything or any concerns or? 
No, I, I don't worry about the regulatory side of things. Uh, and maybe it's me being naive. You guys know that I'm naive when it comes to a lot of things, but I feel like if I document everything properly and I'm doing it for the right clients and you know, I'm not going to lead with it right now, but if clients are asking for it and I document everything, I feel like I'm doing everything that, that I should be doing to protect myself, the firm and all my other clients. Honestly, my big fear on this, and it's like, I probably get made fun of for this, is that somehow this all ends up not being what we think it is. That it really, like all the skeptics actually are right. And that in five years, Bitcoin has disappeared. The whole cryptocurrency world is gone, which I know is not going to happen. Like there's too many major players and like there's too much going in that that doesn't happen. But the one thing I'm worried about is like that doomsday scenario that this is all fake and we all get laughed at. And that's where all the problems then come in. But I feel like the regulatory things, you know, I feel confident that with having, you know, the big banks getting involved, you know, PayPal's announcement this week, regardless if it's good or bad, but when you see these larger organizations and institutions, knowing the weight that they have behind them and the lobbying power that they have, regulatory stuff is going to come along. So it's just at this point, document everything. And my main fear is just something that I, I don't think is going to happen. So other than that, I, I feel good just about doing things smart and slowly and trying to encourage people not to do too much on their own and go down the path. Because as you know, you were talking like Bitcoin right now, but how many other coins are out there and scams are out there? Like that's the other worry I have is people, they get comfortable with one and they start going down this other path and it's not with us so we can't save them from it. And then you see the people getting screwed over like we see in other areas as well. I'd like to invite you all to join me at the Bitcoin for Financial Advisors Conference, November 9th and 10th. I've partnered with Coindesk to bring together a conference for advisors by advisors on all things you would ever want to know about Bitcoin. It is free to register if you are a registered investment advisor and you can get up to nine CE credits. We will be discussing everything you need to know about Bitcoin, how to educate yourself and your clients, and more importantly, how to grow your practice. I'll see you there. I actually want to do an episode on scams and Josh mentioned as well. It's like, what's going to happen here? Somebody's just going to get sued into the stone age, as he said, right? Because of something an advisor's just not knowing better. And that's going to happen, unfortunately, which is why e-education is so important. So let me ask you guys this, because I think this is the most important thing, right? Everybody wants to know, let's just get to it. Are you seeing demand from clients, right? Are you getting questions? Are clients actually calling or emailing or sending articles about this stuff? That's what everybody wants to know. Is the demand truly there that we see and hear about all the time, especially from these crypto funds trying to get advisors in the pool? I don't have a lot of inbound demand, but I have a weekly email that I've refined and sent out to clients. I'm going to start putting some information in there because I don't know how many of my clients realize that I've spent a lot of time researching it, that I know about it, that I personally do some investing in my own. So I want them to feel comfortable coming to me knowing that I know about it. So I'm going to start sprinkling some things in there. You know, when this comes out, I'll put it in the newsletter or let them know that I was on this. But interestingly enough, yesterday I was doing a review with a 58 and 59 year old couple have a lot of cash and what could we do? And they saw my stock twits, Bitcoin, Litecoin, Ethereum, Ripple thing on my like Gary V wall that I have in my office. And they said, the wife has said she had heard about Bitcoin and asked about it. And she was actually very interested in learning more and wanting to do it because they, they have more than enough in equities. Like they're at a point now where we, they could afford to do this if they understood it. She's like, I really like the sound of this. I want to learn more. I said, oh, great. 
I'm going to send you a blog post and then let's set up another meeting. We can talk through it. So whether or not she actually does it, I don't know, but it was very interesting that you would think my younger clients are the ones who get more excited about it. And yesterday it was a retiree, a former teacher at that who was interested in it. That's a great example. Wonderful example. Cause that's exactly what I'm telling advisors. You're not going to get fired because you didn't recommend it. You're going to get fired because you have you no know. idea what the client is talking about when they ask. And I think that's the perfect example of they saw it, they wanted to know, and you're like, okay, I'm going to send you this, right? You should have that ready to go the minute a client asks or mention it, right? Whether it's a blog post, a book, I tell about crypto assets, hard stop, keep some in your office, have hardware, branded wallets, all of these things, that's important just so you can do exactly what you did. That's a great example. Yeah, I'll piggyback off that, you know, having articles, having weighed in on it, being able to show clients, you know, podcasts like this, you know, if you can build some content around it, you're going to be uh, proactive in, you know, at least showing that you're aware you know, at very minimum and that you're involved, you know, at a, at a maximum. To answer your question, you know, in 2017, 2018, there was a moment where, you know, I think there was a lot more of that. I mean, end of 2017 into 2018 was like Bitcoin's biggest moment. That's where you went to the Thanksgiving table and, you know, grandma was talking about Bitcoin for the first time. Like I read about this in the Wall Street Journal or in the newspaper. You know, we might be having that moment again right now. We'll, we'll see. We're on a little, little bit of a tear here. But grandma's not going to ask what it is. She kind of knows. So I see it more in that when clients or prospects come uh, to the firm, uh, they already have a position. I see more of that. You know, I see more of, and again, and again, younger clients, older millennials, kind of fearless with technology. They have no problem setting up a wallet, going online, you know, attaching a bank account. Like we've been indoctrinated. We grew up with this. That's making it a lower barrier to entry for them. But as far as just demand inbound, like Justin said, I want to say like it's there. I do, but no. And let me put like an asterisk on that. These last seven months, I don't think we're very fertile soil for, you know, the alt conversation necessarily, or, you know, a Bitcoin conversation to take root like it did prior to this. I just think, you know, when people at the end of the day, think about what they're focusing on, especially during a global pandemic, jobs, kids, and, you know, again, I'm speaking from the perspective of the, the most of my clients, it's just one of those things that's going to fall off. I mean, let's be real here. If, if we are talking about one, two, 3% allocations or just dabbling in it, I think they're more concerned that their core portfolio is, has rebounded from March, or they're more concerned that their child's daycare isn't going to close this week and that you know, they can continue to work from home and try and balance out their life. So I think that's a big headwind for the crypto conversation. We're framing this in the context of clients coming to comprehensive financial planners. We're not framing this in the context of the crypto community. I mean, geez, go on crypto Twitter. If you're like in there, like it's 24 seven, you know, crypto, crypto, Bitcoin, Bitcoin, what's going on here? You know, you get in your own echo chamber and you'll think everyone's literally only talking about this. Like I'll stare at a Bitcoin chart for like, you know, five, 10 minutes and my world all of a sudden, you know, is Bitcoin. You know, you close the laptop screen and you're like, okay, that was fun. Like back to this. And that's not to diminish Bitcoin. That's just, again, ranking priorities, taking a look at where we are at this particular moment. Yeah. Like global pandemics, probably not the best thing for emerging technologies, emerging thoughts and stuff like that, except for the people who literally do that for a living. So that's good news as far as when we get over this, it's going to come back and it's going to continue to build. You know, it's not killing it by any stretch of the imagination. It's putting a little dampening effect here. When we talk about, you know, your average CFP, your average financial advisor, 60-year-old dude, 
you know, so now frame it in the context of that advisor's demographic, not just in our eye. I do think what you talk about though, Doug, is right. I think once we get past all of this like life stuff that's distracting people from paying attention to their portfolio too much and people start talking, then they look at, I think I saw a pomp tweet yesterday that Bitcoin's up 80% year to date. The return chasing is going to come in and people are going to want to know, well, why don't I have that? What's more about this? And then it is getting more you know, national news and coverage that they're going to hear about it. And inevitably, they're going to talk to somebody who's on crypto Twitter and the questions are going to start coming once the distractions from all that stuff have been removed. You know, once their life is back to normal a little bit, and then they're going to look at their portfolio again. They're going to hear about this and say, well, how do I get in on that? And then that's when the gasoline gets dumped on. Bitcoin hits $21,000, smashing that all-time high back in 2017. And you'll start hearing some interesting conversations, I'm sure. That was the free jewelry moment right there. I appreciate you both. That's really good context because the one thing that I say is, Whenever people talk about crypto or financial advisors, again, our fiduciary responsibility is to make sure that everything is the best interest of the client and it goes back to their goals and planning and all those other things. And it's not about the latest and greatest right movement in Bitcoin. So I, I could appreciate that perspective. Other thing to throw out there, you mentioned being fiduciaries, and I'm sure you'll have an episode on this, but as the advisor, like knowing how to, to talk about what it is and how to purchase it and all that stuff, and then you've been a big advocate over my eyes too, is the estate planning stuff that goes with it as well. So I think that's an area that if you're just getting intro to don't just focus all of your learning as an advisor on what it is and how it moves and all that stuff. Figure out also once your clients have it, how do you help them make sure they protect it so they don't lose their keys. And if something happens to them, their, their family knows how to access it. That's a big part of it as well that gets lost. Like there's the investment component of it, but as CFPs and planners, you got to do the other stuff with it as well on the estate side. So don't lose sight on that if you're just getting into it. There's this whole other box you need to dive into that is beyond just the value of it. It's the importance of how to protect it and take care of it for your family. Now, I got to jump on that there too. I know you're trying to get to like these final questions, but I'm going to stitch in like this desire for the ETF, you know, into what Justin just said. And it's not about the ETF. It's about putting yourself in the shoes of an operator of a wealth management practice. And listen to what Justin just described, you know, in terms of what you're doing with your client. That's tremendous value add, but that's in the context of one particular client. Multiply that times 50 or 60. If you don't have systems to streamline these processes and you're dealing with, you know, literally a client like, all right, I shipped you your, you know, your heart, your cold wallet here. Let's plug it in. Let's get, you know, the $8 you bought of crypto or the 800 <laughs> or the $8,000 you bought of crypto, right. you know, and they got a $400,000 traditional portfolio over there. I mean, think about what's going on there with your resources and your time. I'm not saying you don't do it. I mean, every advisor can manage their time on their own here, but you start to drift away from, you know, practicality and systems and efficiencies that you need to you know, keep in mind when you're running a practice. And I think that unless you're running a wealth management firm, why would you know about these things or think about these things? Clients don't want to know how the sausage is made. Most people don't, other than we're, we're, we're the ones who are going to nerd out over this kind of stuff. But you got to keep that in the back of your mind here. So whether it's ETF, whether it's the right technology and the right systems, there has to be an apparatus set up, right? And all the legacy assets already are on that forever and ever through brokerage and custody. You know, the financial planning software can connect to NFS, can connect to Schwab, and all along comes crypto. It's like, hey, you know, how are you going to play with me? And everyone's like, how are we going to play? Should we play? You know, it went from who are you? Should we play with you? 
we want to play with you. We don't know how. Okay, we're figuring it out. Are we doing this right? All right. Like, we've made it, and it's the year 2035. And, and this is exactly why I wanted to have you guys on. One for, again, the, the laugh and the joke of it and just the truth of how advisors really look at it, but also because that perspective of, again, what we actually need to do is tie it to goals, tie it to bigger things. And then the infrastructure and everything is just not there for advisors yet. But there's this little company called OnRamp that I think is working on it. Oh, we'll see. So let's have a little fun before I let y'all go, because I know you are important. Justin, I'm going to start with you. Who the hell is Satoshi? And my answer is not as good as Josh Brown's. Um, man, I've been trying to think about this the whole time I've been talking because I knew it was coming. I don't know, man. Um, like if I want to go like to earn the, the, the Bitcoin loyalist, like I say, Nick Zabo or somebody like that. And if you don't know who that is as an advisor, like that's the research. You need to start learning who these people are in that space. All right, Doug, don't, don't, don't let the world down here. <laughs> We're all Satoshi. You know, it is a euphemism for all of us sentient beings, you know. <laughs> I'm going to go like pure crypto enthusiast on this one, like hardline, like all about that crypto life. Like Satoshi lives in all of us. He there wanted us to be free and decentralized. Welcome <laughs> to the cult. This is our Neo Matrix moment here, guys. Plug the computer into my brain and yeah, I'll mine bitcoins with my brain. That's as ridiculous <laughs> as I could probably get with this thing. <laughs> Who? I, I, you know, I would like to think it's some hobbit creature, you know, living in a cave somewhere that like has been creating Bitcoin and like released it onto the world. It could be Naval. I bet Naval could be. Naval. It could be. All him. Right. I just love the whole idea that like no one knows. It's a mystery. I think half the time that's uh, bad for it. <laughs> it's not helping with the transparency of the whole thing. But at the same time, it's the allure. It's the mystery of it all that is also attracting. So maybe those two things just cancel each other out and we should actually focus on the asset. I got to end on this note. This is really what I was looking forward to and the main reason for having you guys on so I can say this to the world is that, as you both know, you're very close friends of mine. It's been tough for me to find new purpose in life. Again, the name of this podcast is On Purpose for a Purpose, but I want to thank both of you for supporting me, undergirding me, and being an example of strength and guidance. And these opportunities have come because of friends like you. So I appreciate you. Thank you for making time, not only for this, but time for me to help me grow into new purpose. I, I love you both. And thank you for coming on. I appreciate you. Appreciate you too, man. I appreciate you both too as well. And I was gonna say, I love you guys too. Not, not afraid to say that. Absolutely. We can end it. That's how we end every call. So it's, <laughs> so it's all right. But anyway, thank you all for tuning in. I appreciate you. You know what the rule is already. Everything you do in life, do on purpose. We'll see you on the next one. I appreciate you all. <laughs>